But then what happened was I did next year of college because I was messing around. I did next year of uni because it wasn't really the right time for me and then dropped out. So then I'm now 21, so everybody's doing well. And I was like, wow, I've just kind of failed. With an entrepreneur, for me, my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who can take a thought mm -hmm. or take an idea, bring it to life and start it and get it to where it needs to be. Positive. You seem like the most positive person. Everything you talk about is positive. There's no negativity, even off camera, everything's positive. Yeah. Is that you in general? Probably to my detriment sometimes, okay. like, but I am just, I'm very laid back. Like, if you don't like me, you don't like me. If it's not going well, it's not going well. But at the end of the day, you gotta deal with it. Like, like all of these things I think are, inspiration comes from what motivates you. And that, that can really, you know, come from anywhere. Actually, do you know what? Do you know who, who inspires me the most? my little sister there's going to be lots of times where people are telling you why it won't work you can even see reason why reasons why it won't work but you've got to flip it on its head and find a reason why it will welcome guys to the first ever episode of my dream big podcast and i have a super special guest on it's the one that i get the most requests for my dms go crazy every single time i say who do you want to be on my podcast well he's here He's in the flesh and he will introduce himself. Appreciate it. It's a very, very um, lovely intro. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm Kazim or Kaz from Property by Kazi or Kazi. It depends at what stage you've met me, but I go by all of the above. I'm a property investor and developer and I focus on London properties. Thank you very much for coming today. Massively appreciated. No problem. I know you don't venture out of London. I saw your post. I barely wrenched out of South London. When I, when I cross the river, I feel like I need my passport. <laughs> okay, well, we go to London a lot, actually. Yeah. It's one of my favourite places. No. It makes me realise how small we are in the world when we're in London. Even with the traffic? <laughs> I, tr I go on the train. Fair, I, fair I don't fair, drive. Fair. Me and the team, we always go on the train. I learned that lesson about five years ago with the driving. Hmm. Two hours turns into four. Yeah, it's like I can go somewhere that's 30 miles away here and it will take maybe half hour. If I go somewhere that's three miles away in London, it might take me an hour and a half, depending on where it's it is. It's crazy, it's crazy. So we don't invest in London. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I've never done. I don't have the money that level to invest in London, in mm -hmm. my opinion. But since I've been watching a lot of your stuff mm -hmm. and other people's stuff, the returns on certain projects up there are awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely unbelievable. You mentioned like studio flats and stuff before this. So we stick to the Midlands, the North and Wales, but you are, London. Correct. What is it about London that made you want to invest there to start with? I mean, I'm naturally a Londoner, London, South Londoner, born and bred. I've always lived there my entire life. I've, I'm a firm believer in that specialization. So that's an area that I knew. And I think, you know, one of the key skill sets when you're starting out is deal analysis. I think when you spread yourself too thin sometimes, you know, to be able to really focus on that sweet spot of understanding where the money is, you can lose that a little bit. So because I knew, you know, my patch in South London, that's what I focused on. And I think the more you kind of do deals, the more you realize is that, you know, there's, there's so much money out there to make and there's so many, like if you find something that works in a specific house, there's then another 300 houses on that road. There's another 100 houses in that area. There's another X amount of areas like that in, in close proximity. So that's one of the reasons why I started, you know, investing in London. Okay, so how old are you now? 33. When did you start in property? So I formally started in property, I'd say sort of 23 okay. in terms of first purchase, 22, 23, I think. Was in property sort of 
casually before that. And when I kind of tell people about like, where I started, it's like I might have done a little bit of rent to rent before I realized it was rent to rent and then bought a property and then got back in rent to rent. And I think that's something I think is really important. Like there's no bad time to, you know, to do something. You don't get too big to do that. So even right now, we're still actively building a rent to rent portfolio because the rental market's so strong and it yep. makes sense in the rent to SA. What is it about property? What, so let's go back yeah. a little bit first. So 23, mm -hmm. before that, what was you doing? So conventional in terms of I went to uni, conventional in terms of I messed around, conventional in terms of I dropped out um, of uni. And I think that was a point where I had like this, this light bulb moment where for, for the, like in a bad way in that, you know, when you're, you're young, you go to school, we go to school with all your mates. Go to college, go to college with all your mates. And you go uni, you go to uni with all your mates. It's like everybody's together. But then what happened was I did an extra year of college because I was messing around. I did an extra year of uni because it wasn't really the right time for me and then dropped out. So then I'm now 21, but my pals are like, either they, if the ones that have left school straight away, they've got five years working experience. The one that have gone to uni, they're on these new grad jobs and are doing really well. So everybody's doing well. And I was like, wow, I've just kind of failed. And I had this, this moment where I was like, I kind of spoke to my dad and I was like, oh, like I've messed up. And he kind of just looked at me and was like, like you're a man now. You yeah. kind of got a, you know, whether it's man now, woman now, but you're an adult now effectively. And I think I didn't ever want to feel like that again. So it was, you know, really starting to, I think you learn from pain sometimes. So I was like, okay, I want to do something. So I started my first business, um, probably maybe a little bit before that, but I started my first business, it was a shisha business. So I sort of saw that, you know, Shisha was getting really good. I enjoyed it. It was something that was social. I enjoyed it myself. Um, and then set up a business with that. Went from doing sort of pop-up shops to working with festivals. Like we were doing like, you know, 24-hour, 74-hour like Shisha pop-ups. Having up my own venue. Made some money in that. But I kind of fell out of love with it at a point. Um, and then it was like, yeah, you know, property was something that's tangible. I could touch it, I understood it, and I thought it made sense for me. Did someone lead you into property? So, not necessarily led me into property, but my dad um, was and is a convincing solicitor. So I think, you know, utilizing what you have at your disposal. So the fact that I could go and get an auction pack review done for free is a massive saving. Yep. That's something that nobody else had, like, you know, so I could do that. And I think utilizing what you've got around you is something that people really need to do, particularly earlier on. I think that's a, a, a big thing that you've just touched mm -hmm. upon there. I'm a big person. I, I talk a lot about utilizing the people that mm -hmm. you have around you. It's something that I talk about with the network all the mm -hmm. time. And I find that younger people don't understand it as much. Mm -hmm. And you've just talked about that you're quite a young age mm -hmm. and you understood it because you had your dad and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Would you say that you were gifted? So you knew that you had to do something, mm -hmm. utilize someone around you. Not everybody, not every single person can do something like that. I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, like your, your job as an entrepreneur effectively is you're going to have 10 people telling you why it won't work. And your job is really to be able to find solutions to problems and be able to facilitate a result. And I think I wouldn't necessarily say I was gifted, but early on I'd seen proof of concept that actually trying, going out there and doing is where the results come from. Okay. What is it in property now that mm. drives you on all these years later? 
Um, I genuinely still enjoy it. Like if I didn't enjoy it anymore, I wouldn't do it. So one thing like I'm kind of known for a lot in London is even if I don't operate in, you know, your Mayfairs, your Fulhams, the super high value areas, I focus on a high standard of finish. And I think that's kind of early on, especially when loads of people were just doing magnolia walls, sort of brown kitchens, very basic landlord packs in and out that I wanted to differentiate my end product. Yep. And I think creating an end product that you can see the difference from the existing market is what's gonna set you aside, particularly when the market's tough, like potentially it is now in terms of it's, you know, much more of a buyer's market than it is a seller's market. Um, in terms of, you know, what keeps me motivated is, yeah, like that, it can get very repetitive in terms of, you know, you see in, you know, you see in plasterboard, you see in plastered walls, you see in the boring parts, all the bits you don't get to see before you get to the second fix and M&E stage. So I think actually having a design brief that in my head, I'm like, when I've seen this building that might have a fox living in it, it might have no roof, it might be half falling down and, but you can create something. I think that the process of creation is really good for, you know, focusing you and then obviously the proof of concept is the fact that it's profitable. Yeah. See, that's where I think the entrepreneurship is big, you know, the mm. creative space. Because I create a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I create a lot of things in the property world. Like you, when I look at a property, I can see the end of what mm -hmm. I want it to look like. And then obviously I relate to my team and the people around me. With an entrepreneur, for me, my definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who can take a thought mm -hmm. or take an idea, bring it to life, and start it and get it to where it needs to be. I don't believe that certain entrepreneurs can take a business all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel a lot of entrepreneurs fail because they, they create something amazing from an idea, they put it into play, but they have no concept of business, they have no mm -hmm. concept of understanding how things work. And another thing that I'm big on is self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm not good at, I know. So mm -hmm. I don't try to pretend like I'm good at something, I will put someone in that position who is amazing at that kind of thing. Do you have great self-awareness? Or um, are you someone who can do most of the things yourself? No, I think it's something you learn over time. I think particularly like a business can be like a child, it's like a baby, you, 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 you grow it, you nurture it, you become very attached to it to the point that you wanna do everything. But you're very right in that if the potential of your business only has the sum of your own parts, then there's only so far it can go. And by bringing on the right people, you benefit from the multiplier effect. Also, you benefit from specialization. So if you're amazing at, for example, creating those end designs that drive value, if you're amazing at sourcing deals, if you're great at the deal analysis side of things and you focus on those and allow people to do, whether it's the administration, whether it's the customer service, whether it's the snagging and all these things that maybe you're not as good at, your skill set will be better homed and you'll get more value out of it. So I think, in answer to your question, it's not something I used to be very, you know, anal with, I want to do everything. And I had to learn over time, n more through pain from not seeing results in certain areas that actually, I do have to maybe, you know, be able to pass this off to this person. I think for a lot of times for entrepreneurs, we're scared to spend as well. Like we actually, you know, because we work so hard to get this money, we almost get to a point where we're scared to reinvest. But I think smart reinvestment is where a lot of the growth comes from. Yeah. I got told by a friend of mine, and then I kept seeing it everywhere after I got told it, when you relinquish roles in your business as an entrepreneur, it takes two people to do 
that one role because nobody will ever work as hard as you in your own business. And then when I, when I grasped that concept and understood that, I feel like my business went to another level because I was expecting individuals to do what I would do mm. when they wouldn't. So it was something that I had to learn and it was a painful lesson, a very painful lesson. That, that being said, I do think there is a lot of value in like walking in the shoes you want other people to walk in effectively because it's very difficult to tell people exactly how you want things to be if you've never actually gone through the process. So for example, starting out, a lot of people ask the question, you know, should I self-manage individual trains? Should I get uh, individual trades on a build or should I get like a PM involved? And I think realistically, even if it may not be efficient to self-manage for the long term, you know, actually understanding where the bottlenecks can be, where, you know, to actually really build out a process of lead times and understanding it on a grassroots level means that you can be more effective when trying to implement systems and outsource those tasks. How did you find project managing when you started? So I spoke to a couple of the guys, shout out your guys that you said you're working with on a, on a new deal. Um, and I mentioned that, you know, it is a lot of administration in terms of the construction space isn't necessarily something that you can, you know, you can run a project via email on a, even in, even when you get super big, you know, it's, you kind of got to have boots on the ground. You've got to be having conversations. I think, you know, it's more of a personal relationship builder a lot of the time. I think understanding the order and flow of works is probably where the most value comes from yeah um because sometimes you can you can want to rush things and be like look we've got to be out in three weeks i've i've got a bridge the bridge is costing me like you know five grand a month i've got to be out but by you trying to rush things and have everybody working on top of each other it can potentially delay the project things are more likely to get damaged things are less likely to be done to the right standard so i think really you know building out those lead times, understanding project management, understanding a, a proper workflow is what can allow you to you know, effectively project manage, but also ask questions because it's a, it's a great learning curve. Like if you're working alongside a build team that has five, 10, 20 years of experience and they're telling you why something the architect did doesn't work, ask them why, because if you're then having an architect or having a conversation with an architect or another builder in the future, you then have got more value to add to the conversation. Great advice, absolutely fantastic advice because having people around you that are experienced is one of the one of the main keys in life because you will be able to ask them questions like Kazi just said that then you can relay in your meetings with other people and if you don't know something, it's always important to ask. I always say no question is a stupid question if you don't know. So it's important to make sure that you're around the right people and you ask the right questions. Do you have any Two things. Do you have any horror stories from your project management days? And is there any stories that you have that are actually quite good where you thought, wow, I've managed something here that's amazing and, I, and I've learned something? Do you know what? I probably, I think I've been quite fortunate and I haven't had those horror, horror stories. I definitely think you grow. So there's contractors I used back then that I wouldn't use now just because the standards weren't good enough. I think, you know, I've had, people do some stupid stuff where it could have again but it's again i think a lot of the time it's from managing stakeholders so for example you know when people were working on days they weren't supposed to work on and you you know smoothed a relationship over with the neighbor whether it was some idiot plumber trying to fit a flue and balance the ladder on them little like white garden chairs ladder broke and he broke his arm now, obviously you know potentially that could have been you know 
it could have been a legal issue because it's on your site effectively. He did it, but you know, it's still you're responsible. And I think it, we were fortunate enough, you know, Touchwood not to have those issues, but they rip very easily could have happened. I think you have to be accountable and understand that, you know, when you're in property, it is like it's risk and reward. There can be a lot of, a lot of potential risks. Um, good stories, I guess, are just more about the people that I worked with at the beginning like, you know, that were maybe fresh out of an apprenticeship or early on in their own vocation in a, in a specific trade um, that we've grown together. So they were starting out early on, maybe plumbers, mate, electric mate, et cetera. And now they've got their own team and they're doing good numbers and they're doing, you know, six figures plus and they're doing their own developments. And it's good to see that, you know, you uh, uh, we entrusted in them to finish our projects and likewise they entrusted us and we're now sort of grown together. Okay. You inspire a lot of people. Um, like I said, my DMs go mm. crazy every time I ask who they want us to, mm. to have on speaking events, who they want us. It's always your name that pops up constantly. Mm. What is it about you that you think people are attracted to? Why do you think people always say good things about you? I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like in the in the property space, I guess, like people think, you know, I'm relatable. They understand. I think also because I didn't for a long time have anything to sell or anything. It was like I was just doing it genuinely because I have an abundant mindset. So I don't think oh, I've got a strategy for these HMOs. Let me not tell anyone in case they buy my properties. I tell people, I sit down and have conversations with people all the time and tell people how I think, you know, they can improve. And I guess that probably resonates with a lot of people. I try and lead with integrity. So I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't advise anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. Um, and I guess obviously seeing somebody that maybe, you know, whether it looks like them, dresses like them, that, you know, they feel they can relate to probably is a reason why if it's a relatable story effectively, because people buy into people. Yeah. Um, I say about that people buy into people before they buy into a brand. Mm -hmm. They want to know who the who the face of the, the brand is and they follow the people. With you, mm. you there was a there was a reel that I saw mm. that you did. I think it was a post at first mm. and I think it turned into a reel. It okay. was the one where you stood outside that detached house mm -hmm. and you it was it was amazing. You put mm. I think you put electric gates on there, you had a Range Rover yeah. on the drive. Yeah. I think oh yeah. yeah. Did these have electric gates? No, this one, this Did one, one we didn't. No, gates? no, so we had the hedges, like, you know, just yeah. until hedges all the way across the front. This one was one of my, yeah. when I saw this, I was like, wow, that's yeah. incredible. And that is creativeness at its finest yeah. because not everybody can see that. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can see an envision of something like that. Does that make you proud when you see things like that? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I like it. Like, I, it's for, I guess, but I guess the thing about property is you don't really dwell. Like, you're always thinking about the next one and, you know, the next deal. And I guess, the reality is that the, the, if you feel to gauge a success story behind a property developer, realistically, a lot of the time their bank account's empty because you're straight on to the next one. Yeah. If you've got funds just sitting down for ages, you're probably not working hard enough. So I think, yeah, I like it. And when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, that was, you know, that was a nice one. And I look at this and I'm like, that's a nice product. And, you know, I think the ones that I really like, though, is there was one we did out in... Um, an area called Chessington and it wasn't it was a house that I think I bought at auction for about 200,000 pounds did like a rear extension as a two-bedroom cottage we turned it into like a three-bedroom like house with bifolds you know a nice four-piece bathroom suite but what it was about that one is it would it ended we sold it for like 450,000 which is a good markup 
But the person who bought it, like I got a message from them like a year later saying, oh, I bought this house. And I was thinking, oh gosh, what's go. this going to be? And they were like, oh, like we just wanted to know like the oven stopped working. Have you got the warranty? And I send it over to them. They were like, oh, we really appreciate that. But then the next thing they said was, we can't believe like we, can, we live in a house this nice still. So I think when you say like, you know, of like things that you look back on, it's like those moments of people that say, this house is like sensational and we love it. Like, because obviously you make money and that's, that's a great side of things. But obviously when I first started, people were like, what do you want to do? And it's like creating luxury homes like that people fall in love with. It's, it's homes at the end of the day. It's not just property, you are creating homes. Yeah. Um, with the standard of that you do things mm. to, and I've watched for a very mm. long time and I see everything that you do things to, your standard is exceptional, isn't it? You don't we really try. leave no stone unturned. Yeah, so I was saying, we had, we had a conversation on another pod that I was doing and he was asking how oh, the difference between rental and you know the, the, the stuff that we're flipping. And the reality is a lot of the time, I don't necessarily know what I'm gonna do with it, but I always know I'm gonna do it to the best standard because even going that extra mile, some people look, oh, it's just a, it's just a buy to let, but it's still somebody's home. And if, it, if they're so proud of it and house proud, one, they'll pay you good money to rent it, but two, they're also gonna look after it as well. And it's your name, isn't it? Yeah, your it's Your name is associated with that property. That's it. So we had one done recently. It was on the weekly. Mm. Um, and it was completed. It was probably like three days away. Mm. It was snagging. And I hadn't been there for five weeks. So I went up with our COO, Tom. And I'd done a tour. And we had, I think, nine projects within a mile. Mm-hmm. And we was checking all of them. And this one, like I said, was three days away from completion. And when we went in... Um, it was terrible. Mm. Like the lines in the plaster Mm-mm. and everything. And I made the decision there and then on the spot to take it back to brick again Mm-mm. because it's my name. Mm. And I don't want people to be walking into these properties going, oh, Steve did this. Look how shiny yeah, that no, is. Yeah, that's it. So I'm, I'm, I understand your thought process with exceptional mm. and making it the best it can be. Yeah. And another thing we had the other day, we had a guy who made £25,000 on a flip. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a flip, George? Assisted sale. Mm-hmm. And we went to the house and he was there and he was like, Steve, what would you have done mm-hmm. differently? He said, I made £25,000 on a £25,000 investment, mm-hmm. basically. So he did it exceptionally well. And I was like, well, I'd have sacrificed £5,000 to make little bits and pieces. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'd have changed the like, light switches, mm-hmm. I'd have changed the plug sockets, I'd have put new internal doors on. And he's like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. I made £25,000. And I was like, because when people come in this is their home mm-hmm. and I want them to go wow this is amazing so I would have sacrificed a little bit of money to make it like that me and and also like even outside of the sacrifice like there's a pound for pound return concept obviously there's there's you you reach a point where you don't get that return on investment but particularly in the London market you know there's, there's those ceiling prices that you can push so obviously you can't go and put in 200 pounds a square meter tiles in a flat that you want to sell for 300,000, but you can put in better than, you know, just the basic Metro tiles. You can still have a nice finish. And also I think it's not always money. Sometimes it's just time of actually thinking through a design. So I, if you're going for a contemporary feel, then have that flow throughout the property. Don't just be like randomly, what doors are available in stock? If you order them in advance, you're not thinking last minute, oh, I've got to get some doors in. Let me just get whichever ones, you know, they've got available. So organisation, planning, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a big skill, isn't it, for property yeah. developers? Mm-hmm. What's, your, what's your skills? What would you say your main skill set is? Or um, like, so I'd say probably relationship building. Like I'm a, a really good people person. Like you give me the angry neighbour that doesn't want me to build. 
I'll be having coffee with them, tea with them, like in a couple of days and we'll be best friends. Like I'm good at building relationships with stakeholders. I think my best skill is deal appraisal. Like again, touch with, I've never lost money in a deal. So I've always been able to find deals, actually be able to identify opportunities to, you know, really improve the values of properties. Where does that come from? So my background, I actually, so that point, so I did actually end up going back to university and I did finish doing, you know, economics. I think, you know, that's a numbers background. You just, you, you spend all your time living in the numbers, living in the data. And I think from an investment perspective, it's very easy to like, you know, let my emotional side of I want it to look amazing run away with me. But if you underpin that with a good financial background in terms of numbers, in terms of, okay, this is our max spend. This is our what if analysis, if it goes above, you know, that I think, that you know that, that that really underpins good deal analysis but then beyond that being able to see the things other people miss so i if you find a property that's run down everybody knows it's run down you can go there you see it's run down you can get a quote from a builder they can tell you how to do that property up pretty much you know what it's worth done up because there's loads of them on the street and you know where the money is but because it's obvious that money gets competed away because people bid up um so there's not that much money to make. But when you can spot things that other people miss, so i.e. in London, you know, uh, a really popular strategy is converting one bedroom flats to two bedroom flats, improving the layout. That uplift that you get, you still spend the same amount of money as refurbishing the flat, but your GDV is shot up by 15, 20%. It's the same thing as like, for example, in Birmingham, it's not necessarily as one bed to two beds, but it's creating like when you look at those two bedroom, you know, terraced, end of terrace houses that you can turn into, take it from a two bed sort of pokey house into with a rear extension, a nice open plan living room, three bed, and you get that uplift because the comparative properties in the area are worth a lot more. So I think it's, it's being creative as well and being able to see the opportunities other people miss. Okay, so is that something that you think you can be taught or do you think that's something that is just in you? No, I think you can definitely teach deal analysis. Yeah. Like, you know, I think people should focus, like we spoke about it really early, early on in the conversation, in terms of focus on a geographical area um, and learn that area first. So do it in stages. I think when you're learning something, it's very easy to become disillusioned because it seems so big. Like, how do I go and do all these like, million pound deals? But you, you do it in stages. So, okay, let me learn an area. Now let me understand my associated purchase costs. Like what do finance costs look like? How long does something realistically take? Then understand like what, you know, is the GDV going to be, you know? And then understand all the other intricacies and take it in steps and then work it backwards. And, and you can learn it. But I think doing things stepped and tiered is a good way to not get, you know, feel like you got bogged down in something to the point where you can't learn it. Because if you were to go to university, they teach you in modules. They don't be like, right, so um, you've got a, whatever it is, a maths degree. Here's the book. Just learn it. It's all staged and you have somebody along the way that supports you, that gives you if that feedback loop of this was good, but this could be better. I think it's the same thing in anything. Okay. Work-wise, mm. workaholic, or are you quite good at separating your time? Do you have a work-life balance? Um, yes and no, I guess it depends who you ask. Um, I do think, I do enjoy work, so I do work a lot. Um, I think funnily enough, like you asked about what I'm good at. You didn't ask like what I'm like where my downsides is. And naturally, I feel like I'm naturally very lazy. Okay. Like given the option, like I would lie in bed. Like, you know, as a kid, I'd be the one that wouldn't wake up in the mornings. So I fight that because I know that's a weakness of mine. So I think I almost overcompensate by working super hard. Um, 
I try, you know, like everybody has things that they like. We spoke um, off camera that I like to play poker because it allows me to mentally switch off. So whether it's poker with my friends, football with my friends, or traveling, they're probably like my three go-to things. That I'm like, okay, I can actually relax and unwind um, and recharge because burnout's a real thing. You know, you can, you can suffer from burnout and then feel like I don't want to do anything for months. I do think you have to be able to self-identify when you're getting to a point when it's getting a bit too much and take a step back and, you know, take some time to reflect. You mentioned traveling. Yeah. What, what's your favorite place? Um, so I used to travel way too much. Like I've calmed down as a like, so pre-COVID, I think there was a period I went away every month for just under three years. Okay. Um, yes, I traveled a lot. I'd Does that help? Different countries, mindsets? Yeah, like, like I would go, I'd literally, I'd be like, you know what? Because realistically, like, you know, you start making money, like, you know, you can be, like, oh, you could, you know, the clubs will always be there. You can go out to the club and you can easily spend thousands of pounds. But for that same money, you could go and have a real experience. Like, so whether or not I like skiing, I'll go skiing. I go to like, you know, away in Europe for like short breaks. I go to Dubai every kind of couple of months because I've got friends, family based up over there. And then I travel everywhere. Like I've been to a lot of places. I spent a lot of time in South America, Asia. Probably favorite place is Cuba that I've been to. Just, Why? It's Why just it? super different. It's like, you know, you go there and because, you know, of, of um, you know, the issues obviously um, between like after communism and everything, um, that it's just a different place. Like, so you go there and like, the whole purpose of traveling is to experience. But if you go somewhere and then you sit in an all-inclusive and you're having, you know, beans on toast for breakfast, and you're having like chicken and chips, like what's the point? You're not even really experiencing a local culture. Whereas with Cuba, I traveled around, met people out there, really like we was going to the museums, explaining to me the country, why it's like the way it is, what people's attitudes are. I think seeing different things, like whether it's big, small, whatever it is. So whether it's, like you said, going to London and looking at Canary Wharf and being like, there's billions of pounds being made here. It can be inspirational. Whether or not I travel back to where I'm from, that's my mum's English, dad's Nigerian, going back to Nigeria and seeing certain things and being like, wow, people do so much with so little. That can be inspirational. But I think that change of setting can help to re-motivate you and reset and stop things feeling monotonous. Will you stay in the UK or will you actually <laughs> live in another country at some point? Um, like, you know, I feel like a lot of people bash the UK. Yep. Like I'm a like I'm a Londoner through and through. I I love it. Like I'll be in and out. Like you know, the goal is to have, if I was to say destinations wise, a home in LA, Dubai, Nigeria, and then maybe somewhere like in the Far East, and as well as the UK. Yeah, move around, be dynamic. Um, But I'd always, I think, in terms of full time, UK is 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 where I'll be. So you're a UK boy. Yeah, like, we just know what it is. I feel like you don't appreciate where you're from sometimes. Yep. But, like, when you step away and come back, you miss it. And I think that's the good thing about obviously missing things and being like, yeah, I miss London. I miss the vibe, friends, family, etc. But, yeah, I think for me, I, you know, you never know. You grow. But for now, yes, it's a UK. Okay. Positive. Mm-hmm. You seem like the most positive person. Everything you talk about is positive. There's no mm-hmm. negativity. Even off camera, everything's positive. Yeah. Is that you in general? Probably to my detriment sometimes, okay. like, but I am just, I'm very laid back. Like, if you don't like me, you don't like me. If it's not going well, it's not going well. But at the end of the day, you got to deal with it. Like, there's, I remember one time, like, you know, I was, it's funny, a friend of mine or business partner um, 
like I was on the phone to him and I'm like, oh. like some, I can't remember, something happens. Like, I think I was in a petrol station. I was a young guy, like a decent car, but he was like, no, you got to pay first. But then he let this other like white lady go in and I was like, so I'm shouting at him and he was like, bro, what's that going to do? Like that, that whole like, oh, but it's the principle. He's like, bro, the principle of what? Like the pride of what? Like, so I think that was kind of a moment I said, yeah, like what's me? Like this guy's just working it. He's probably getting told by somebody else to do it. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying like, let, let, like, you know what I mean? Let people disrespect you or anything. But the reality is like, yeah, like life's good. So like, why not act like life's good? Yeah. You're alive, you're breathing. Yeah, I'm like, You're successful. So yeah, I think I think positive. If you can be like sometimes, like I might be overly positive. I could almost be naively positive in some ways, but that's me. Like it's I've seen, I benefit from the positives, and there's always going to be some negatives. But I'd rather be true to me and enjoy being myself and being the, the positive person that I am than let like other people or environments like dictate what's going on with yeah. you. Okay, you have a really successful career so far. Hmm. Genuinely, you do. From what Appreciate I've seen, you. thank you. I mean, I've seen all of your website. Mm. I know a lot about you. Like I said, what is what is your goals? What's your ambitions? Do you have yearly goals, monthly goals, or is it literally are you someone who will just go with the flow? Yeah, like because you know what it is that like you can, for example, it just depends on what your priorities are. If I suddenly saw something, and I was like. I need that and it costs this amount of money. It'll probably drive me to say, I need to do something to achieve it. But like, if, for example, my goal was driving a Ferrari, like, one good HMO can pay for a, you got to put money down, but one good HMO can cash flow a Ferrari. Like, I think, so there's not a lot of stuff like materialistically that I'm like, it pushes me towards that. In terms of standards of living, there's only, like you, you can want all the money in the world. But there's always going to be somebody bigger, better, whatever. So trying to be the best doesn't really drive me. I just think like just doing stuff like where I enjoy it. So like where recently I set up like the community and I'm seeing like the feedback loop of the people that are getting involved. And, and obviously you've got your own programs and people that work alongside you. And obviously seeing other success stories has been good. Um, Do you think that comes, so you've just talked about mm. how you like to see other people successful. You can help, you can mm. give back. Do you think that only comes once you are in a comfortable position yourself in life, or do you think you can do that when you're not? It, it you can do it when you're not. Like, I don't know. Like, my, so my my mum is a proper like she believes in like like a utopian society. Like she's give give give. Like you know when people say, oh, if you had this much money, she would genuinely give it away, whether she has it or not. Like she's been a teaching assistant her entire life. That's not high paid, but she does it because she loves it and she feels there's a value. So you can do it. That being said, like the more you have, the more you can affect people. So I'm not saying you can't do it, but it depends, I guess, to the level of which you maybe want to affect your wider circle. Okay, your community, you just mm. talked about it. What is it? Do you want to explain it to us, please? Yeah, so um, it literally, I don't, I don't know how soon this will come out, but it you know, launched beginning of April, 2023. Um, effectively, I was always being asked, Kazi, like, haven't you got no courses? Kazi, can you mentor me? Kazi, can you X, Y, or Z? Can I shadow you? And it was, I didn't have the infrastructure to be able to facilitate it. And also, I always wanted to make sure anything that I do is done to the highest standards. I was like, look, I know that I'm busy and I don't want to under deliver. 
So again, like we touched on, like getting the right people on board, got some people on board to help me. And they said, okay, look, we think this is the best way to structure it. So effectively, it's like a paid WhatsApp group or a community. Now it's not a Kazi answers all your questions, it's a community. So there's loads of people in there at different stages. People piggyback off each other's ideas, what they're doing, how we help each other. But alongside myself, I've got my a solicitor, an accountant, uh, QS, sorry, um, a quantity surveyor, an architect, um, uh, a mortgage broker. So all the key people you would need. So they're there to answer like the, the base level questions. And if you want to then employ their service directly, it's not all free. You can go to them and get further value from them. We have like a Zoom meeting twice a, twice a month where we go over specific topics. One will be by myself and one will be by a local industry experts so that could be on raising finance, commercial conversions. But it was something that I wanted to be reasonably affordable, good value for money, and really help people propel them to like their next stage. And we've already in the first, you know, four weeks seeing people that are off the back of it, you know, getting deals done, you know, exchanging, you know, that they've, they're already working together. And it's also collaborative. So people are doing JVs and we're seeing these sorts of things. So it's not something that I want to be massive. I'm not trying to be like the next big community guy, but I just wanted to be able to service the people that have obviously kind of shown me that support over like over the last couple of years on my, my journey on the social media space okay. sounds really cool sounds Thank like you. a good community to be in all i'm getting from you so far is how humble you are and how how just how much of a nice person you come across as obviously i'm only making well, drive an orange car as well i can't be do you know what i mean but it's <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i've seen your car your car's amazing um but, but um, humble yes relaxed mm. calm you speak amazingly well do you enjoy speaking do you enjoy podcasts? Do you enjoy speaking at events? I prefer conversations, if I'm honest. Like, naturally, I wasn't, I was very introverted. Like, if people that knew me pre-social media, like, people's first impressions were, he's a bit weird and quiet. But, like, you have to, obviously, when you're talking about something you genuinely have a passion for, you know, you speak a lot more confidently. When you speak about something you know a lot about, again, you speak a lot more confidently. And that's why I've been able to kind of come out of my shell so to speak when having conversations i think i probably excel most in the conversational space but yeah i also enjoy speaking i've spoken at events whether it was for the treasury or experian barclays etc and different things and it's been enjoyable a lot of it was very daunting early on like going to canary wharf like you said looking up and being like this is a lot We're like, small. this is a lot and then i'm there in my combats and a hoodie they're all there in like three. There, there might even be four piece suits. There was a lot of suit there. And I'm thinking, what do you look like? But then obviously that feedback of when you see people looking and nodding and afterwards like really good reception, that kind of remind you that I actually deserve to be here and it helps to remove that imposter syndrome. Yeah, and the confidence part comes with the experience and the knowledge. Yeah. And like you said, I think if you know what you're talking about and you genuinely do it so you understand mm. it, it just, it comes mm. across in the person when they're mm. speaking, you can clearly see it. And with you, obviously, you, 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 you're a great speaker from what I've seen. You're speaking indeed. at our events on June the 10th, which oh, is going indeed. to be amazing. I appreciate you coming down to do that for us. No that will be a great night as well. A lot of good speakers, like I said there. A lot of great speakers, actually. I got, I got in trouble because it's my mum's birthday, so you might have to send us some flowers. I don't mind. I'll definitely, she'll probably give them away. <laughs> exactly. Give them to somebody. Um, the, the one thing that I'm a big fan of, mm. um, you've never met me. Mm. Um, we've had brief interactions mm. before. I'm a big fan of bringing people together mm -hmm. and I like to do it on a lot of the, of the things I do. I'm not somebody who, who likes to hoard an audience. Mm 
Um, I don't look at it and go, this is my audience that's going out to, so I don't want someone to be, to be bigger than me or better than me or anything like that. I always try to bring as many people together. All of the events I've done in the last two years, we've always had great speakers. We've always brought, I'm trying to bring the property community together because we all have something that we can offer to different people and there's enough people out there for everybody. Um, and obviously with the black tie events, I've got you um, as probably the main speaker. Then I've got Ranjan and I've got Andrew, Charlotte, Tej. How do you feel about collaborating with people? Is it something that you, you like to do? Yeah, like that's probably one of the main reasons that if I'm honest, that my branding grew. Like one of the first things we started doing was like, you know, the, the ask somebody else. And that was a case of, I'd be like, look, I am in property, but there's all these other great people that do all these amazing things. And I never went to, I don't think I've ever done anything where I'm like, oh, let me sit down, probably like out of speaking to a hundred people maybe, maybe one of them has had a bigger following than me. Like I've never done it to be like, oh, let me try and get their audience. I'm always like, if I see someone doing something amazing, like I'm like, look, you guys need to see this. Like even today, this is my, my friend Mubs and Luke's, this is their branding, like too cozy. I'm going to wear that when I'm at an opportunity to put eyes on it because like I enjoy it and I believe in it. That's nice. That's good. And that's probably why you have grown to the level that you've grown to because people see that from the outside. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of people in the industry when I ask them to speak, they say no. Mm. Um, they don't like to cross collaborate mm. um, that's their choice it's mm. nothing to do with me but I like to I like to bring people together I'm a big fan of getting as many people together as possible mm. a lot of people find you very inspirational who do you take inspiration from um, I, I, I take inspiration from people all the time so like like who can I say like okay so for example right now like one of the guys that I work closely with, like um, Ethan Hammond, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's doing good stuff. He's like 23 and he's smashing it. Like, I think Ethan's a member of the circle. Mm. Oh no, mm. I spoke to Ethan. Has yeah. he got some flat conversions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, oh, so, so Ethan's smashing it. But like, when I say that, it's like seeing how hungry he is, that inspires me that I'm like, damn, this 23 year is gonna come and overtake me. I gotta get back to it. Um, it's, a, it's like, you know, seeing people that have done it for years and done it successfully. I don't necessarily think in, in a social media space, but like when I go to places, like there's a, um, a develop, development company called Pay Homes, and I went to go and see one of their projects, and they did like the, one of the most expensive houses in Kent that's ever sold, and it was like, it was sensational. So to go in and see something that, you know, is worth sort of as a single unit, 16 million, and it's not in prime central London. So it doesn't matter if it's the guy who's, you know, kind of in his head, he's like, oh, I'm quite a distance behind you. Or the people that have been in it for 50 years, I think inspiration can be drawn from everywhere. Okay, that's good. So there's not one single person you take it from anywhere that it's there. And you find it, don't you? You always look for it. You don't yeah, look for like, the negatives, yeah. I just, yeah, I just, so like I'm always, like I said, whether it's like from a design perspective, I'm on Pinterest, I think I like the fact that, you know, because I follow all the property people, my, my Instagram algorithm is property. So I just see stuff and I'm like, oh, that's good. See what they're doing all the time. Like see the stuff that the boys down did, did at the Gen Z conference over the weekend. And you know, they like got 500 people in a room at the age of that, you know, the people that set it up are between 21 to 23. Like all of these things I think are, inspiration comes from what motivates you. And that, that can really, you know, come from anywhere. Actually, do you know what? Do you know who, who inspires me the most? My little sister. Okay. So, so my little sister, um, like she's two, year, two years apart and my sister, when we were, so when I'm four and she's two, she had a stroke. So the stroke meant that she suffered from epilepsy, she was partially paralyzed, suffered from physical and learning difficulties, 
but like she never like made any excuses for anything. Like she said, like she could have got like X amount of month for being on like disability benefits. I'm not taking it, I wanna work. Like she like struggled with so many different things. She left school kind of not being able to really read and write and went back to teach herself in her own time going to like a separate college. So like if I see somebody that's got all of these things that are going against them, that are trying and pushing on and not making excuses. I'm like, look, if it wasn't for what happened, unfortunately, you'd be like the biggest G that I know. So like, if I see my sister, like my family, my little sister being able to do that, I'm like, you're crazy if you think I'm not gonna keep pushing. I love that. Does she take inspiration from you? Yeah, like me and my little sister, we're close. Like she um, she always tells me like, you know, we're that she looks up to me and whatever. But I'm, when she's telling me that, I'm looking at her like, you're bugging. Like, how can you look up to me? Like, you're the real, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're, the real, you're the real deal. That's really nice, that is. I don't hear many people talk about the family members mm. like that. So that's really nice to, um, to hear. Mm. Sports. Yeah. You're into sports? I'm not talking about it right now. It's very stressful. The Arsenal fan. I'm not talking about it. Okay. We where's, have a a few, where's a different camera, man? We have a few Arsenal fans in here. There's a, a different camera, man. I don't know what man. you're cheering for, guys. Like he, that's, that's what you should be doing listen, right now. Listen, listen. It's, you know. It is it's, what it is. Unfortunately, we're going to be the team that spent the longest time at the top of the league without winning the league. But we have a good batch of players. I feel like our recruitment policies got a lot better. Our attention when it comes to existing players. Um, believe in Arteta is strong. I'm not saying we're going to win the league this season or next season. But if you look at where we are in comparison, it's growth. So, you know, we have to... See how he's done that, guys. He's took all of the positives, none of the negatives. And he's just spun it round to make me even believe that you might win the league next season. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying anything. So... Football, obviously, huge yeah. for you. So I like football, but I'm, I'll tell you something right now. I'm good at sports. I'm, I have to say this into my camera. <laughs> I am a multifaceted sportsman. <laughs> I will beat any property developer at Decathlon. You come and get, I'll let you name your sports. We could do tennis, badminton, swimming, long distance, short distance, running, wherever you want. All of these sports, like wherever it is, you name them, football, basketball, paddle tennis, squash. I'm that guy. Okay. And you back yourself 100%. I back myself 100%. Any sport whatsoever. Listen, I'm saying, what I'm saying is there might be somebody who will beat me at a sport, but oh, in terms of overall, okay. I will guarantee I'll beat you. You can pick the 10 and I guarantee I'll win more. Maybe that's something that we should do in the property world. Listen, this, where, when everyone, where's ready, <laughs> we'll do, I said, we'll do a Weverist, we'll do something for charity. We'll, you know I mean? I, I'm sure I do stuff. I sponsor that local football team. So, you can pick you can pick a charity, I'll pick one, we'll both put the money up and you know, okay. lose the rest of pay the sponsorship. Yeah, that's good. I'll tell you what we'll do then. This is this is a good idea. We'll pull me and you, mm -hmm. we'll pull a couple of teams together mm -hmm. between the two of us. So we have like four and you have four mm -hmm. people. We'll get the people at home to pick the sports mm -hmm. and we'll set something up for the summer and we'll donate the money to charity. I don't matter. Listen, one thing I would say. I don't need those four people. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm a, I'm a, like, I'm a one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, I need, I need, I need to look in my opponent's eyes. Yep. And they can look, look, you're not winning. <laughs> oh, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> Guys, you know, that's like a challenge that's laid down. So that's something that's going to be really cool. So you are going to see a collaboration mm -hmm. and the collaboration is going to be a sports collaboration, maybe mm -hmm. July or August. No problem. When the summer's there. Yeah. We'll get something set up. That'll be something that you guys... I'm presuming we'll love to see. So comment below some of the sports that we should do. Obviously, table tennis has to be in there. 
Excellent. That's mind. like, yeah, table tennis whatever, has to be in there. Whatever you I like. I love the confidence. I whatever love the confidence. Like. But I understand, like, this is, this is the thing. What I've realised is when I start, I need to, I'm going to look at this camera now. When I start naming sports, <laughs> people start naming skills. Like, like oh, I'm going to name table tennis or I'm going to name golf. I'm a real deal sportsman. I'm going to run athleticism, agility, pace, explosive power. <laughs> love it. That's it. That's a real. That's a real right there. <laughs> Okay, so coming to the end, yeah. what's the next stages for Kazi? So obviously I think it's interesting, we're building out the community, super new with that. We're gonna expand that over, you know, the next, we're looking at, you know, a timeline of what that looks like, expanding that. I think the thing that obviously the feedback, Luca, so when we're, you know, for example, I would do a presentation for an hour, hour and a half on buying properties at auction and people are like, where can we buy that? So I think potentially putting together those products so there is something to service the wider community is important. When it comes to developments, just more of the same. Um, I've, I've now partnered with somebody. We're looking at some, some large schemes. So I always get confused with what, what's what figures. I want to say eight-figure scheme, like eight schemes, like, you know, in terms of London, so some good-sized schemes yeah. um, with a partner, obviously, just looking to get those over the line. But in the meantime, just continuing doing what works because at the end of the day that old adage like i'm one that loves a saying if it's not broke why fix it so if you're doing these schemes and your return on investment's good your return on capital's good they make sense you haven't necessarily got to be like oh because i've seen this guy doing this i've got to go and replicate the same i don't run to money it's whatever makes sense and what i'm doing at the moment makes a lot of sense okay that's pretty cool we want you now mm -hmm. to pick a guest after you who okay. you feel that should be on here so am I, am I the first? So I can you're, pick anyone. You're number one. So you're the guy that's kicked off my dream oh. big podcast. Like I said, you're the one that everybody wanted on. So who do you want on this podcast? Now, one thing I have to tell you about me, you probably don't know it because mm. social media can have a misinterpretation of people. I am not a disruptor. Mm. I am not somebody that wants drama. Mm. I am not somebody who likes to cause mm -hmm. drama. It just looks like it on social media. <laughs> So mm. I'm not on here to have drama with anybody or any negativity. Yeah. So I want people who motivate and inspire and people who I hear actually good things about. Yeah. So who do you think that people can I've got benefit from? Who would be a really good guest? I said, I think genuinely, you know, like a lot of the social media space is a lot of Gen Z's. And like I'm someone that's not like, oh, I get somebody with the biggest following or get somebody whatever, but I think potentially maybe combined, like um, the two guys that I mentioned earlier. So Aaron and Ethan, they're like, they're doing amazing things. I think they'll resonate a lot more with potentially the younger audience being that they are 23 and they're actively doing it all right now. So they're raising money, they're building brands, they're doing rent to rent, they're doing flips, they're doing BRR, they're doing everything. So I think having those guys on board, I think, you know, that people will really enjoy what they have to say and learn a lot from them as well. What's Aaron's surname? Aaron is, I'll give it to you afterwards. Okay. And Ethan's Hammond. Ethan, yeah, Ethan Aaron, Aaron Kadoa, I want to say, but I'm, I might have butchered that. So apologies, Aaron, if I have. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's who, we'll, we'll contact them after this. Um, like I said, I've spoke to Ethan previously. Mm -hmm. So that'll be um, pretty cool to get them on there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Massively no appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come down. Um, super excited about you coming to the Black Tie event. Yep. I think a lot of people are super excited about that. Do you have anything that you can say just to sign out to inspire anybody or motivate anybody who is starting uh, or really struggling right now? You know, mm -hmm. some people hit a stumbling block or some people yeah. hit a brick wall. So there's two things. I think like when you have big goals and big dreams, it's amazing. 
but sometimes it can also be demotivational. So if you can break down all of your tasks into little more achievable bite-sized steps, you can sort of stop and smell the roses. And I always remember like going where I was in LA and you do this thing called like Runyon where you climb up to the top of this canyon, it's tiring and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And it's only when you actually look back and you see like, look how far I've come, like look how high up I am, that it gives you the motivation to keep going. So I think that's kind of thing I'd say, one thing that I'd say for people to leave with alongside that, that as an entrepreneur, it is your job to find a solution to problems. So there's going to be lots of times where people are telling you why it won't work. You can even see reason why reasons why it won't work, but you've got to flip it on its head and find a reason why it will. Thank you. Massively appreciate it. Guys, the one you've all wanted and we've got it. It's done. Um, you're definitely going to see a sports challenge. 100% that is going to happen. So guys, I'm signing out. First episode of the Dream Big Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you do like these podcasts, which I know a lot of you do because you asked for it, comment below who you want to see and I will get Kazi's guests on in the future. Hopefully Amazing. in the next episode if they've got um, availability in the schedules. So guys, see you soon. Thank you, mate. That was incredible. How long was that?